Just say if, um, no matter how this thing goes down this afternoon, um, it's kind of interesting because Robbie and I are actually playing each other in fantasy football today uh, in the Oasis um, Fantasy Football League. And I just want you to know, brother, no matter, no matter how it goes down today, you'll probably lose, but uh, I still love you, okay? Still my brother. Um, we're going to have a good time this afternoon uh, together. Um, I also want to say, uh, some of you guys look really good. That extra hour of sleep really did you well. Uh, anybody uh, not set their clock back and came early for breakfast for the first time ever? Anybody? Um, I know a couple people did, but you didn't want to raise your hands. Um, I want to begin today by mentioning a book that I, I, I bet just about everybody in this room has read outside the Bible. It could be the most widely read book by anyone in our country. It's not a very well-written book. I don't think there's a single quotable line in it. Not very memorable. I would even say not a single person here could identify the actual author. i also tell you that it's never been reviewed in any publication that I know of, but outside of the Bible, it is probably without a doubt the most widely read book in this room. Anybody want to take a guess what I'm talking about? Good, good. Very good. Very good. This book I'm talking about is called The Rules of the Road. And at one point in your life, you poured over this book because it stood between you and the most coveted prize in the life of a 16-year-old kid, right? A driver's license. See, before you get a driver's license, at least in most states, you have to be familiar with what they call the rules of the road. There are a set of laws, rules, that govern certain situations. And those rules are not aimed at your heart. For example, uh, no police officer has ever stops someone that I know of who's been uh, driving and says, I'd like to talk to you about the condition of your heart. I'd like to know how do you feel about the rules of the road. Police officers don't do that. They don't stop you and say, you know, I know you were going below the speed limit, but I kind of detected in your heart that you're not happy about the fact there's a speed limit. I detect there's a kind of a root of bitterness springing up inside of you. So I just wanted to stop and warn you. Have a nice day. I don't know of any police officer that has also stopped and said, you know, it's true, technically, technically you were observing the rules of the road, but I thought that I could tell that you kind of got this contempt for other drivers. I can feel kind of pride welling up inside of you. You're kind of filled with a lot of hatred toward people on the interstate. In fact, you feel like you know the rules of the road better than they do. So I'm going to charge you with vehicular self-righteousness. Okay? <laughs> They don't do that, and the reason they don't do that is because rules are just that. They're sets of rules. They govern certain situations. And any situation that may come up, you just look it up in the book. There's an appropriate law or appropriate rule to follow. Now, those of you who do well following the rules of the road, you get kind of a big head about it, you know? You feel pretty good about yourselves. In fact, let's just do a little survey. How many of you have not had a ticket in the last five years have not okay now let's look around folks look around just hold your hand up okay all of you need to know that the rest of us don't care <laughs> it isn't because you're so good it's because you haven't been caught okay now here's why I say this we're in this series the coming kingdom 
And we're trying to get clarity about what life looks like when you understand and really apply the teachings of Jesus, especially those that were recorded in the Sermon on the Mount. And a lot of people talk about Jesus' teachings as if they're kind of like rules of the road. As if what he was trying to do was to give laws or rules to govern situations. And depending on when you were in that situation, you would just look it up and follow the appropriate law. Or some people, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, they look at Jesus' teaching like he's giving them a, you know, kind of a one, two, three, four, kind of an engineering principle. Here's the steps you need to take to a better life. But what we're finding out in this series is that is not at all what Jesus was about. The reason that Jesus made religious people feel so uncomfortable is because they had this problem with rules. They spent the majority of their life, and believe it or not, it still happens to this day, trying to establish themselves in the eyes of God and in the eyes of other people that they were righteous people. So they did some pretty weird stuff sometimes. They would conform to a particular religious subculture. They would identify rules and they would say things like, I keep the Sabbath or I keep these dietary laws. And by doing so, I demonstrate that I'm a righteous person. What they did not notice was that inside of them, there tended to be this, this springing up of something other than love, something that would choke them from the kingdom of God. So Jesus comes and he says, listen, I'm not here to inform you. I'm not here to try to conform you. I am here to transform you. I am here to help you become a different kind of person. Now, with that thought in mind, we're going to explore today an area of Jesus' teaching that is going to hit us dead on. I'm going to predict that this is going to be a little difficult subject matter today. So why don't we just all take a deep breath, okay? No elbowing today. No pointing the finger. No saying, oh, I wish so-and-so were here to hear this today, okay? This one is about us, okay? It's very interesting. When it comes to telling the truth, human beings have this crazy problem with deceiving ourselves about our ability to deceive. And if it weren't such a serious subject matter, it would almost be funny. In fact, I have asked today for three folks to come and to join me here on the bottom stage. I'm going to ask them if they would to come on up. And I'm going to grab a microphone here so I don't have them unable to speak. There we go. Good morning. I'm going to go over here by you, Doug. This is Doug, or Liz. There you go. That's good. Right there, Doug. Oh, okay, good. All right. So Liz and Leslie and Doug are here to help me out. Here's what we're going to do. How many of you have ever heard of a, a thing called two truths and a lie? Two truths and a lie. We're going to find out today just how remarkably deceptive these people are. And I'm going to find out how good your lie radar is. Okay? So here's what's going to happen. Liz is going to start this off. Or Leslie, you're going to start. Okay. Leslie, you can start. She's going to give you two truths and a lie. Okay? You're going to decide which one is the lie. Okay? So uh, if you... Uh, fool them, Leslie, you get a humongous prize, okay? I'll tell you what it is at the end, all right? Go ahead. 
I think so. I'm going to give you three facts. Which of these facts is a false fact? <laughs> Number one, I did synchronized swimming in high school. Number two, I played basketball for the Lady Royals at Mount Vernon Nazarene College my freshman year. Number three, I can shoot the bullseye out of a target at a shooting range. Wow, okay. All right, here we go, we're gonna vote. Now, uh, just, just vote based on which one you think is not the truth, okay, the lie. All right, first of all, did Leslie do synchronized swimming in high school? Yes. Raise your hand if you, think, if you think that's the lie. If you think that's the lie. Okay, wow. Okay, good. Second of all, did she play basketball her freshman year? Is that the lie? All right. And last but not least... Can she shoot the bullseye out at a shooting range? Is that the lie? You think that's the lie? Okay, well, by far, I think it was the first one they said was the lie. And the answer is... I did not play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. You are one deceptive girl. Wow. All right. So you won. Okay, I'll yes, tell you in a minute the price. My mother could always tell when I was lying, so I'm surprised. Yes, yes. So you really can't shoot the range at the range? That's good to know. A 22. Oh, okay. Something to keep note of. Yes. Okay. All right, loser next. All right. All right. This is really hard. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to smile the whole time. Hopefully, no one will um, I once had sushi with Weird Al in Los Angeles. Weird Al Yankovic. Al, yes. Okay. I once hung out with Blink 182 and Rune 5 in Japan. And I once was a dancer for a goth band in France. A what band? A goth band. A goth band in France. In France. I'm hoping all <laughs> these are lies, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right. Uh, did she have sushi? If you think the lie is that she had sushi with Weird Al Yankovic in L.A., right? Yeah, LA. yeah, in L.A. Okay, if that's the lie, raise your hand. All right, not, not too many. Okay, how about... Uh, uh, met Maroon 5, and who was the other one? Blink-182. Blink-182 uh, uh, over in um, Japan. Japan. Okay, is that the lie? Don't think she did? Okay, there's a few more. Okay, and the last one is... Dancer. Dancer. Goth band. Goth band, France. Okay. <laughs> okay, by far that was the one they said was the lie. All right, tell us which one is the lie. Weird Al. I did not have sushi with Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> You, I just want to say, you people are horrible. Okay. We could lead you down any road we wanted you to go, okay? Great job, Liz. So you won as well. So we got two winners. All right, Doug, your pressure's on, buddy. Three, three, three of them, two truths and a lie here. I played bass in a rock band in high school. Believe me. I have been through the Panama Canal. Believe me. I once lost my pants on a roller coaster. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Well, which one is uh, the lie? Okay, the first one was the band. Black band. Black band in high school, played bass. Okay, if you think that's the lie. All right, a few. I've been through the Panama Canal. I think that's a lie. All right, a few more. 
And then last but not least, lost your pants on a roller coaster. Okay, that's by far, yes, I think that's the lie. And uh, which one's the lie? I, I, I did not play in a rock band. Oh my gosh. Boy, I, don't, I think I gotta change the whole message. The whole message is not about lying. It's, all, it's being able to see through a lie, okay? Wow, you guys all three won, and I want you to know every one of you have won $500 today. Uh, that's a lie as well, okay? <laughs> Actually, you've won a, a uh, Oasis t-shirt. Whichever one you don't have, you can pick up another one. Uh, one of the, uh, I think they're in the lobby afterwards, so uh, they'll have your size, I'm sure. Let's give these folks a hand. They did a great job. Wow. Now, that worked out perfect because... <laughs> You can see how easy it is in our culture to deceive people and to mislead them. Jesus put it like this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Again, you've heard it said that it was said in those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, and do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Now, here's an interesting passage. What is Jesus teaching here? What's he up to? Well, let's start this morning with kids. Let's start the way we think about it when we're just children. If a child doubts what you're saying, usually your child will ask you a question because to a child or to an impressionable young person, it's unthinkable that an adult would lie to them. And so a child will ask you something like this, do you promise? See, a, a child can't even consider the fact that you would violate a promise. You could tease them for a, while, uh, for a while, but after a while you would say, they would say to you, do you promise? And you would say, I promise. So if a child wants to convince you that he or she is telling the truth, then the way they usually do that is they'll say, I promise. And then when they really want you to believe it, they'll say, I promise, I promise, I promise, I really, really promise. When I was growing up, as if that wasn't enough, there were some kind of darker tones to this. We would say stuff like, I promise, cross my heart, and hope to die. But that's a pretty serious business. But if that wasn't enough, we would say, I promise, cross my heart, hope to die. Good grief. We were some sick people when you think about that. And I thought about it later on. It's probably the theory of that if you've already crossed your heart and hope to die, if you're dead, it really doesn't matter if somebody sticks a needle in you at all. <laughs> now, this has have been pretty gross to some people. So somebody came along in this politically correct age. And they wanted to come up with something else. So for like the current generation and even the one before that, for example, when my two girls were growing up, they wanted to make a promise or if they wanted me to make a promise to them, they would say not only I promise, but they would say I pinky promise. And anybody knows if you make a pinky promise, that is a solemn oath. No matter how effeminate it makes you look, it is a promise from your heart. When you get older, friends, the same thing happens. You go into a courtroom. You have to testify. 
And before you testify, traditionally, you put your hand on the Bible and you raise your hand and you say, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Now here's the thing. Why is this necessary? Why is it necessary for people to swear an oath? I'm going to give you the simple answer. Is because we lie like dogs. And just to make sure we own this truth, we're going to have a little confession time here. I want to walk through a few things, and just be honest now. This is just going to get it off your chest. Think about your own life. For instance, if you've ever been stopped by one of those policemen we were talking about for going too fast, and you actually said something like, well, that darn speedometer is broken. Or I really thought I was going under the speed limit, and even though you had no idea how, you were going, how fast you were going. Even though you drive like Mario Andretti on steroids. If you've ever manufactured an excuse when you were late for a meeting or when you missed a meeting and you knew it was your own fault. If you've ever cheated one time on any test. If you've ever denied saying anything to avoid getting into trouble. If you as a parent have told your kids that it was past bedtime when it really wasn't. <laughs> and your kid says, but the sun's still shining, mommy. Well, yeah, but it's the vernal equinox. The sun's going to be up there all night, kid. <laughs> if you've ever deliberately deceived another person, let's just raise our hand. Okay? Wow. You people are sitting next to some slippery people today. Okay? Now, here's the deal. We get even so sophisticated by this that we've taught our kids how to make things non-binding. We've actually taught them that, for instance, if they say, I promise, but if they cross their fingers or another part of their body, then we all know that cancels everything out. <laughs> right? We've taught our kids this. Now, why? Why do we do this? Because we know, we know in our hearts that in order for this world to run right, it requires truth-telling. A world in which the truth was never told would be impossible to live in. So we want people to tell the truth, but here's the crazy part of it. But we want to reserve the possibility occasionally to deceive. So Jesus, against this backdrop, against this reality, he comes and he says, look, I'm not going to give you a new set of rules. I'm just going to talk about the way the kingdom of God works and I'm going to contrast that with how the earth, how life on this earth generally works. So let's start with that. Jesus says, here's how it works on earth. He says, you've heard it said, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out vows you've made to the Lord. In other words, there was a teaching back then that if you say, I promise, like so help me God, you had to honor that promise. But people came up with all these crazy loopholes. People would say stuff like, well, if you swear by heaven or earth or Jerusalem or by your head, that wouldn't be a non-binding oath. I mean, this kind of stuff went on all the time. So Jesus goes through this list of things. He says, here's all these loopholes. And then Jesus basically just says, listen, don't be absurd. Don't do that kind of stuff. Over in Matthew 23, he's talking about the same thing, same kind of backdrop. And Jesus says this. Listen to what he says. He says, woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the sanctuary is bound by nothing, and whoever swears by the gold of the sanctuary is bound by the oath. 
You blind fools, for what is greater, the gold or the sanctuary that has made the gold sacred? And you say, whoever swears by the altar is bound by nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on the altar is bound by the oath. How blind are you? For which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the sanctuary swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by the one who is seated upon it. In other words, Jesus says, let's stop playing games. In a very direct way, in Matthew 5, Jesus says this, let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. The reason we need oaths, friends, the reason we need contracts, the reason we need lawyers <laughs> is that people are deceptive. We twist words, we omit words, we manipulate words, we massage words, we shade words. And Jesus comes along and says, listen, I want my people to become another kind of people. Just speak the truth and then let it go. Jesus said, just speak the truth and let it go and see if it doesn't work out. See, Jesus is not saying, don't make oaths. People came along in the church history and they would say things like, no, I would never get in a courtroom and raise my hand and say an oath. I don't think that's what, at all what Jesus is talking about here. I don't think he's talking about those very rare, extreme situations. You know, like during World War II when people were hiding the Nazis, or hiding the, the, the um, Jews from the Nazis, hiding people who were going to be annihilated. And the soldiers came in and said, are you hiding someone? I don't think Jesus was expecting anybody to say, oh, yeah, they're right here in the cellar. <laughs> That's not what Jesus is addressing. Before I married Robin, I wanted to ask this one girl out for a date. I didn't know how to do it, so I came up with a great excuse. It was tax season, and she worked for an accounting firm, so I needed a tax form. So I called her up and asked her, I said, told, somebody told me, a friend of ours, a uh, mutual friend told me that you might be able to give me this tax form. So instead of having her mail it or email it to me, I said, why don't I just come by and pick it up? Pretty smooth. So I came by, I picked it up, and of course to say thank you, I said, listen, let me take you out to dinner just to say thanks. Now I thought it was pretty smooth until she asked me exactly, why didn't I just go to the post office and pick them up because you can get them there. See, she knew I wasn't telling the truth. She was flattered, however, by my attempts to get close to her. So she fell in love and she eventually married me. I don't believe Jesus is addressing those kinds of situations. Jesus is addressing the world in which you and I live every day of our life. He's addressing the deceptiveness of the human heart. And the difficulty we have with wanting to set up rules... And the reason this is so important is if we're not careful, we'll come up with loopholes. Technically, it wasn't. I actually heard about a pastor in California. He named his bathroom in his office, the bathroom in his office, he named it Arizona. So that when he got a call, he could just go into his bathroom and his receptionist would tell the other person, he can't come to the phone, he's in Arizona. <laughs> no, we laugh about that. We say, technically, it wasn't a lie. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, do you have the intention to deceive? What, what lies at this, the heart of this is the intent to deceive. 
Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? Now here, the heart is also capable, friends, of great truthfulness and great tenderness and warmth and compassion and a lot of wonderful things. But the heart is also capable of deception. We can do it through words we speak. We can do it through words we don't speak. We can deceive it through the tone of our voice, through the sh shrug of our shoulders, the gestures of our face. He's saying, listen, let's don't find any loopholes. He's saying some of us in this room even, people especially who have verbal skills, he says if you're not careful, you'll use those verbal skills to conjole and to manipulate and to, to kind of uh, coerce people to do what you want. He says you need to be very careful about that. Here's the basic function of words today in our society. This is my opinion. Most of the time now, words in our society come down to this. How can I make sure that I get what I want? How can I make sure that I can get my own way in life? So we use our words to do that. And Jesus comes along and he says, listen, stop using words to control and to manipulate and to get your own way. Just simply say whatever it is and be truthful and let it go. Now this creates a lot of anxiety and the question is then, how do I end up getting my own way? Well, here's what I want you to know. It's not our job to get our own way. And this is back to the beginning of what we talked about when we talked about this passage in Matthew. There's a fundamental issue at work in the pursuit of truth-telling. It's one that is very simple, and it usually, usually comes to light. The issue is this, trust. Do I really trust in the kingdom of God that if I speak the truth in this situation and I let it go, I let it go, that somewhere, some way, somehow, it will work out the way it's supposed to work out? You know, we talk about making decisions as followers of Jesus. We have to think through decisions that we make. But a decision by itself is not enough. Other things have to be there. But it won't happen if we don't decide it. So today, I'm going to ask us to be the kind of people who decide, you know what? No more deception. Let me put this in, in a form of a question, okay? Do you think it's possible if we operate on the general level of truth-telling that our society does as a whole? If we operate that way, do you think we will gradually float into being truth-tellers? It's so funny to me. The most famous story about truth-telling in American history is, of course, the story of George Washington and the cherry tree, right? George Washington's father comes home, and the cherry tree that he loves has been chopped down. And so he says, who chopped down the cherry tree? And little George, did you do it? And little George is standing there with his hatchet, and he says, you know, I cannot tell a lie. Now, some of you may know this, but this story was written by a guy named Parson Weaves in the early 19th century in a book he wrote called The Life of George Washington. And the truth is, it never actually happened. It's a great irony about American history that our most famous story of truth-telling is, in fact, a lie. Now, here's the deal. That was a couple of hundred years ago. 
Over 200 years, would you say in general the regard for truth-telling and integrity has gone up or down in our society? Let's just think about the last couple decades, last few decades. Let's, let's just go back 50 years or so. Some of you were around in 1960. Back in 1960, an American YouTube plane forced down, was forced down over Russia. And the reason it was such a traumatic experience for the American people is because the president at the time, Dwight Eisenhower, had promised, had promised that no such flights were taking place. And when the plane was forced down, people had to come to grips with the fact that a very respected, listen, an iconic, a hero, the president, had lied to the American people. It was pretty traumatic. Folks, that idea does not traumatize anyone today. Anybody remember Watergate? Can you remember that back to Watergate in the Nixon administration? One of my favorite stories that came out of the scandal happened one day when Ron Ziegler, he was the press secretary for President Nixon, and he was in front of the press corps one day, and he had been caught, I mean caught red-handed in a bold-faced lie. It was a lie that he had to tell to cover up something, but he was caught red-handed. So the next day when he got up in front of the press corps, he looked at them and he said, the statement that I made yesterday is now inoperative. Is that a wonderful word? <laughs> Honey, I, I know I told you I'd be home by five, but that statement is now inoperative. I, I know I said I'd pay those mortgage payments on time, but that statement is now inoperative. See, here's the issue, and this is really the issue. This is so, so pertinent to what's happening in our country this week. It's no longer about truth or falsity. It's just about credibility. Can I get people to believe it so that they'll do what I want them to do? If I can, wonderful. If I can't, well then let me just come up with another statement. We now have fact checker, fact tracker on websites just to track whether people are telling the truth or not. So Jesus comes and he says, listen, I know your heart, I know your intentions are good. He says, but the heart can be deceitful. He said, but there's another way. And here's the beauty of it. That Jesus that we're talking about lived it. John says the word became flesh and lived among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son full of grace and truth. I want you to know that truth was at the core of who Jesus was. It was such a deeply woven part of his identity that it's not just that he spoke truth or that he refrained from lying. He was full of truth. You know, we tell people sometimes you're full of it, right? Rarely do we mean truth is what they're full of. But Jesus, John says, was full of it, and it was truth. So anytime Jesus got squeezed, anytime he got pressured, anytime he got pushed back into a corner, anytime he was pushed against the wall, when he got squeezed, what came out of Jesus was truth. So this morning, I'm going to ask us to make a decision. That's hard, hard decision. Maybe one of the hardest decisions you'll make this year. And that is, I just will tell the truth and let it go. I read the story this week about a Sunday school kid 
he got his Bible verses mixed up, and it reminded me of what we think sometimes about truth and about this whole business. He stood up in front of the class, and he says, A lie is an abomination to the Lord and a very present help in time of need. <laughs> and if there's a theology of deceit in the church, that's probably it. So this morning, no more casual promises. Moms and dads, no more I'm going to take you this way, and I'm going to take you there, and we're going to go here. No more of that. I mean, I know sometimes things happen and all that. I'm just talking about in your heart. Don't say it knowing that you have no intentions of following through. No more, hey, honey, I'm going to take you away for a weekend, and three years later, you're still saying that. We're going to come to the table in just a moment. And what I want you to know is that Every chance this week, in fact, you're going, to have, you're going to have so many chances to do this, it's going to blow your mind. Before we get through the picnic, you're going to have probably at least a dozen opportunities to lie. But you're also going to have every opportunity to tell the truth. So here's what I want to do today. I want to give you a little phrase because this is going to be a little painful. The number one reason people don't tell the truth is why? To avoid pain. So it's going to be a little painful, but here's the phrase I want you to think about this week. Anytime you're confronted with having to tell the truth or tell a lie, you're going to say, here's my chance. Here's my chance. Here's my chance to do what Jesus was teaching about in the Sermon on the Mount. And before Robbie comes, I'm just going to run through a couple scenarios, and I'm just going to ask you, if you would, to say after me that phrase, here's my chance. So here we go. This week... There's going to be at least one time when you're going to be late for a meeting. Are you going to mess up a project? Are you going to be tempted to cover up something by excusing yourself, even though you know it was absolutely your own fault? But this week, instead of deceiving people, you're going to stop and you're going to say to yourself, here it is, ready, say it here with me, here's my chance. This week, you're going to be in an awkward social situation sometime. It's going to be easy, easy just to tell a mild lie, just to get yourself off the hook or out of that lunch or away from that appointment. But instead of that, you're going to stop and you're going to say, here's my chance. Listen, somebody this week that you love is going to look at you and say, how do I look? Does this dress make my hips look big? And then you're going to say, <laughs> right. See how hard this is going to be? Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Lord, we understand that if we tell the truth, there's going to be moments when we have pain. And the more we've relied on it, the more pain it will mean. But I pray this week that the pain that comes would just simply be a reminder that Jesus is calling us to live in his kingdom. You know, God, your followers throughout history have done it. They have followed Jesus and they found even a joy in telling the truth. So today, we confess that our hearts sometimes are deceitful. They're deceptive. We want to do right, but sometimes we don't. So today we just ask you to cover us with your grace and empower us with your spirit and give us the courage to say it and let it go and see and see 
if maybe we can trust you enough to live in your kingdom. As we come to the table now, we prepare our hearts to be honest with you. Amen.